Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Ankle, can you tell us? Uh, lower lower leg. Lower leg. I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to throw out exactly what it is. But uh, I just play one on TV. <laughs> but, uh, no, lower leg, he'll be fine for training camp. And, and he, it was really good because... Uh, you know, he's it's, it's a, a true test for a young player when you do suffer an injury, a setback, not letting it be, affect you in the meeting room. He's still dialed in front and center every day. Judd, you can appreciate the, the hockey-like injury classification yeah, there, right? I did, but I just want to know, like, uh, you know, are, are you saying that on purpose? Can we get a little bit more? What happened? Can we get a play-by-play? As Doogie knows, you're always looking for the next step. You're looking for the next, you know, how far can we go? I'm also yeah. glad that he clarified, listen, uh, the lower leg, the non-serious lower leg injury isn't preventing Emir Smith-Marset from being engaged in the meeting rooms. So, yeah. oh, oh, God. I can't, oh, I can't do it. I got to oh, stay home. God. <laughs> we got him a scooter. It's a very nice scooter. He's really enjoying the scooter. This is Reckless Speculation Thursday to all who celebrate. Here on Mackie and Jeb, which means we bring in our friend. He is from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department and the Scoop Podcast. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Would you believe this? 25 years ago, at about this moment, 25 years ago, at 10.15 in the morning. So that would have been, what, 1997, June 2nd. 1997, I can promise you, I was above point one, even though I was only 17 years old. So last night, 25 years ago, I graduated high school. We had an all-night party at Henry Sibley High School, now Two Rivers High School. Don't get me going on that, in Mendota Heights. (laughs) Party ends at about 5 a.m. We hop in multiple cars, head up to a cabin of a friend. This is last night? No, no, no. no. This is 25 years oh, ago. Sorry. No, that was sorry. that was back in my partying prime days. Phil, last night I was I was in bed. Well, no, I was here until about 10:15 working on some Mary and Barbara the Third stuff, which we'll get to at some point. But then I I got home and I watched. Heck, what did I watch? I watched the end of a baseball game. I can't even remember what the heck game I was watching. Uh, Rays Rangers. That's what I was watching. Mm-hmm. Rays won that game. Former twin Matt Whistler the save. Oh, yeah. Matt and was- I went to bed. That's how boring my night was last <laughs> night. But 25 years ago, at about 10.15 in the morning, June 2nd, 1997, I was pounding beers. So we hopped in wow. the car, multiple cars, headed up to a friend's cabin about two hours away. So we probably got to the cabin 8, 8.30 a.m. I'm telling you, at about 10.15 in the morning, 
on June second, nineteen ninety seven. I was. Wasted. I'm trying to do math on this. I feel like I'm. I don't, I don't feel like the age works out here. But it had. I graduated high school at seventeen years old. So I graduated okay. high school June first, nineteen ninety seven. Today would be June second, two thousand and twenty two. Accelerated. So twenty five years ago. No, it's We're, a cutoff date thing. I was born okay, in Philadelphia, okay. moved here after second smart. grade. Nice guy, no, 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 no. I'm not that okay. smart. No. Trust me. If I was that okay, smart, would I be not. talking to you guys right now? No. I'd no. be when performing did, some you, sort of did, surgery. Did you, I'd be in some courtroom. Did you start interning at KFAN before you graduated high school? I did. Yeah. So I started there. Oh. Yeah. When I was 16. So I turned 17 Hands. January of 1997. Yeah. That. I started at the fan. It would have been the winter just a little bit before then. So like October, November-ish of, of 1996. The Doogie Hauser of Minnesota sports. That's how he became information. Doogie. Yep. Exactly. It all ties together. So, all right. So Doogie Hauser of Minnesota sports. There's the backstory. Uh, give us as many Vikings updates from OTAs, injury updates, Empty the Vikings bag here for us, dude. All right, well, here we go. On Amir Smith-Marset, he actually has a cast on the injured foot. I am told the cast can come off very, very soon, like maybe as soon as today, if not today, early next week. I take Kevin O'Connell at face value, even though we always ask ourselves, Journalism 101, why is this person lying to me? Unless there's some sort of setback between now and training camp, Amir Smith-Marset will be fine come late July, no reason to have him ramp up next week, mandatory minicamp Tuesday through Thursday. So I don't presume that we'll see him on the field next week, but the foot will be fine. Zadarius Smith should be back as soon as today or tomorrow. I'm told he just slept wrong. I don't have the specific injury, but he slept awkwardly, woke up, didn't feel right. That's why he wasn't on the field on Wednesday. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. We're trying to get 17 games out of these guys. <laughs> Daniel Hunter slept wrong. Yeah, isn't that what happened with Daniel? He started with Daniel. He slept wrong. He okay, did. can we get yeah. these guys? It doesn't sleep number sponsor the Vikings. Can they we do. get these guys yeah. some contour pillows and some sleep number beds? Just I mean, you slept wrong? What are you, 90? That's I mean, the worst. I guess That's what Darius I was told. Smith's body might be 90. I have but. a new Casper mattress that arrives today. I'm excited to sleep on it. We'll see how that goes. Oh, I'm jealous. Then I, sleep wrong. I will not sleep wrong. We could go for a new mattress at the Wilson House. Yeah. You have to tell me about that, Declan okay. off mic. Yeah. So anyway, so Zadarius Smith uh, should be okay. I, we don't have don't access like until next Tuesday, but they have OTAs today, tomorrow. I, like I imagine if I check, I'll have heard that he'll have been on the field at some point before the week is over. Linval Joseph, former Vikings defensive tackle. Hmm. He had on his Instagram story on Wednesday... A picture of him, well, it wasn't him, it was a picture of TCO Performance Center, but him right on the campus of, you know, the Vikings practice facility there in Egan. It got people wondering, is he visiting? What is taking place? Well, it turns out he actually lives here. His daughter goes to high school over in that neck of the woods. I don't need to mention the high school, but a private high school in that neck of the woods. So he was working out at Training House. So the training facility that's next to TCO Performance Center. So Linval hoping to get back in the league. The elbow is still an issue, but Linval tweeting that photo of TCO Performance Center in the background has nothing to do with the Vikings. I've seen Linval. Uh, it wasn't there last night, but I've seen Linval at Red Cow numerous times in the North Loop within like Dude, the I last that guy year. Pounds a sixty. You think so? Burger. Yeah, <laughs> oh. a couple. 
A scoop to the scoop? Couple? Yeah, a scoop to the scoop. Oh, that would be multiple. Red cow. Yeah, I think more than a couple. Yeah. And, we're talking. And you know what? Yeah, I, mean, I don't blame to. him one bit, man. Had the no. That Last red night. cow, yeah. red mm-hmm. rabbit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get it, baby. Rock solid. Uh, so, okay, so uh, and this, it, so those are kind of the injury updates. This feels like a honeymoon period. You know, Adam Thielen made the appearance on the Pat McAfee show a couple days ago. It's the most... You know, Thielen has looked kind of downtrodden off and on, I would say, more often than not the last couple of years under Mike Zimmer. And, my God, that was a new man. He looked like he had regressed in age by five years. He's holding up the McAfee jersey. He's talking about how rejuvenating, that's the word he used, Kevin O'Connell has been uh, installing this offense. And so, you know, what is your sense, Doogie, just talking to people in and around the team? Does this feel like a rejuvenation so far in the in the first portion of the offseason? It does. I mean, it's almost got this kumbaya feel over there. But let's circle back to this conversation on September 20th. If they go loss against Packers, loss Monday night football against Philadelphia, right? Then things could change. But right now, yes, lots of synergy, lots of positivity. I haven't heard anything bad. So, yes, right now, things are really, really good. I imagine early in training camp, things will be good. Then we'll hit the dog days of training camp. You know, guys, you know, we'll show some angst and show some frustration. But by that first preseason game, it'll ramp back up. It'll ramp up again as we head into September 11th. But I'm just saying, let's circle back after some adversity hits because it will at some point. So let's see how they react after that. Yeah, and that's um, true of I've told people who work for the team during these open practices, you know, man, this feels great around here because last July it felt terrible. Like it was stifling. It was so bad. And their exact words are, Judd, we haven't lost a game yet. So, like, that's the internal thing, too, because everyone, you, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. They're working hard, but I think they're enjoying it now, where with Mike, they definitely weren't. And you know what? That, had, again, to be very clear here, run its course. Like, like that, Mike had not become a terrible guy. It, it had just become an in, intolerable situation. But, I mean, people with the team, Phil, like, are aware of, okay, we still don't know, and you don't know, what Kevin O'Connell is going to be like when we lose a tough game. And so I find that an intriguing like step, a discovery point that um, the, the team itself and the fan base will find out when the Vikings do drop. Yeah, has anyone, has anyone seen him crabby yet? Like, he just seems no. perpetually positive and optimistic, and, I, and it is a breath of fresh air. But coming off eight years of mostly glass half full and... Surly and negative, Mike Zimmer. It, it it does feel like okay. Is he gonna? When's he gonna wake up on the wrong side of the bed? You know, what's he gonna? What's he gonna do if a player you know crosses him at some point? It sounds or, like it sounds like from what I'm told, he has. He just doesn't show it yet to us. So like I've I've heard that, that there have been times where he's not exactly uh, Mr. Sunshine about good. how things are going, uh, and he can snap internally. But I but I think he's incredibly aware. And and by snap, I mean just get mad about things. Uh, He's actually think, killed three people. Yeah. I crazy. Think, no, no, there's no bodies buried. I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of land around TCO to bury things, okay? Like, there's a lot of free land there. But, uh, yeah, I, we definitely have to see what his reaction is going to be when he's inevitably faced with adversity that he can't, like, just say, ah, oh, it's going to be fine. So, I mean, put yourself in his shoes. Now, I'm told he will swear. So, you know, piggybacking on what Judd just oh, he said. Swears. Not in front of us necessarily, Damn but he does have you know a certain vocabulary when when he needs to have it. But like, put yourself in his shoes. Thirty 
eight years old? Am I right on the age? I think so. No. Sure. I mean, this happened relatively fast, all things considered. Ascending to being a head coach has a beautiful house in Edina, a beautiful family. Like, there's a lot to like if you're Kevin O'Connell. So there's no reason Picket for him fence, to be tire surly. On, tire hanging from the tree in the front yard. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, it's good times right now. But, you know, let's see. Let's let's revisit this in September or October. Yeah. 37. 37. You were very All right, good. so 37. Okay. So, I mean, life is really, really good for Kevin O'Connell. One other note that I forgot to mention when you said empty out your Vikings notebook, your figurative Vikings notebook. They did show some interest in Akeem Hicks early in free agency. He just signed with Tampa one year. I guess if he hits every incentive, he can earn up to $10 million. Maybe that's not, you know, realistic, but, but Hicks did sign with, with the Bucks this week. It was early in free agency that the Vikings showed some interest, but it just, it never materialized. It never got to the point of the Vikings making a formal offer. Dukes, I'll throw this one at you too, just to get your thoughts on it. So, uh, I have been told, that the J.C. Treader market is very slow this offseason, slower than, than than maybe Treader anticipated. Is he healthy? You know, that's the I think that's the question. That I is think the question. And, yeah. So I have been told if he needs to retire, he's played enough years in the league, he's made enough money. You know, he's PFF had him as like the fifth best center in the NFL last year. He didn't practice a lot because of the knee problems, but he played in every game. And uh, and so I I don't know our teams wary about the injury issues. You know, Judd has brought up the fact that he's the NFL Players Association president and that that can be a thing behind the scenes. Now, another potential fit for him. So he's looking for, yeah, money matters, but like he's he's I'm told he's looking for a team that can win, a team that can compete, playoffs, etc. that has a need at center. Well, the Vikings are on his short list. Uh I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing San Francisco might be emerging. On a short list there, too, because Alex Mack is contemplating retirement, and the Niners just restructured his contract to buy themselves some more time. So the Niners might be looking for another starting center. So I, I heard know, I Miami guess the is, as well. Okay. How hmm. how married are the Vikings really to their center situation? Well, I mean, right really now... Gonna, they're really going to do this with Garrett Bradbury. Bradbury is getting all these first-team reps, but I was told... That Chris Reed, the free agent addition, Minnesota State Mankato, the former Indianapolis Colt, has that sort of flexibility where he's just not a guard. He can play center that he was led to believe when he signed here that he would get an opportunity at some point. Now, I think that's more come training camp, not necessarily OTAs into the mandatory minicamp. But like, I don't unless I'm being led in the wrong direction, I really don't believe they've told Garrett Bradbury, you have nothing to worry about. You are promised. The starting job. Can he win the starting job? Absolutely. I've been saying that for for weeks. It's entirely possible. September 11th against the Packers, Garrett Bradbury is this team's starting center. But I still feel like he has to earn that come July and August. You do get the feeling, Doogie, though, that they definitely want that. Like they're, I don't know why, but but they seem convinced that they think that he can be successful there, which I think is not a long shot, but I think in pass protection, it's very concerning. Um, but they're definitely o- – O'Connell, I don't think, was lying at the Combine when he basically went through chapter and verse of, oh, we think this and that. And I don't know if it's the system, if they want Kirk to get the ball out quicker. I, I don't know exactly what they're thinking from a football standpoint, but there's definitely a thought process that they can make him an improved product o- over what the previous offensive scheme did. I just, in watching him – 
That's one I struggle with. I struggle with I it too. Now struggle you're right. One. They do want Cousins to get rid of the ball quicker, but when it comes to pass protection, like think about you know I keep harping on these first two games, but think about the interior defensive lines of the Packers and Eagles, right? Clark and Green Bay. You've got the Holy big Georgia kid that just landed yes. in Philly from the draft. It's a great point. Like think about those matchups, right? So yeah, I still I still have all sorts of questions now. Even if he had played at a somewhat higher level last year, maybe even a considerably higher level, that fifth year option at nearly thirteen million dollars, like you just you can't pay a center that sort of money. So like to me it was always a no brainer to, you know, turn down that fifth yeah. year option. That's right? why you don't draft centers yeah, in the first round, so you have to make that decision, right? I think Judd's right though or whoever suggested it, that that they do feel like, hey, let's salvage something. I don't know if that's driven by Jamal Stevenson, others in the front office that remain, that had a lot to do with the Vikings, taking him in the first round a few years ago. But yeah, like he's getting all the one reps right now. It's not like anybody else is, is sliding in there. So the optics suggest, the access we've had, it suggests that Bradbury is the guy, but I'm just saying let's keep an eye on it come those first couple weeks of training camp. I also like, I, I just don't want there to be another easy excuse for Kirk Cousins and the progression of this offense. If at the end of the year you get you, you were sitting here in the same spot saying, well, see, the, the offense would have been better if you give Kirk Cousins a real center. You know, so how long are we going to keep doing this? So you know, they better be right on it. They better be right on it. Um, you guys want to transition to a little Timberwolves here? Yes. Uh, in the, fact, in fact, if I could start by giving our no, guy Darren no, kudos, because Tuesday's presser guys, as we saw, to, to use Duke's word was kumbaya for for the most part, right? Uh, question and answer. I'm just excited to be here. I'd, I'd like to give Doogie credit because I believe truly he asked the only question that made everyone on the stage squirm. <laughs> Which was the equity question, which was incredibly fair, which I still think they're beating around the bush about. Um, but that was the only one, because Conley, been there, done that, right? So, like, he's a very, like, he knows what he's doing. That was not a, oh, my God, I'm up here, and what am I going to say? Yeah, Conley, exactly. Conley was like, listen, I mean, this is all very complicated for yeah. me, even. I'd rather you, just not you comment. Squirm, though. And then Glenn takes a half hour to figure out where the on switch is for his microphone. <laughs> he's like, don't do that. Let That's me. So mean. Although, full disclosure, I think I effed up the mic. So Dave Campbell of the Associated Press hands me the mic. I just figured it was on. My voice carries. Come on. And so I just figured, you know, ask the question. I didn't know I had to flip the mic on. So I don't know if my voice picked up on NBA TV or on Bally Sports North or WCCO Radio. For those of us consuming on... I was on Zoom, and I, I heard you, like, faintly over other microphones. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. that's what happened, because I talk well, so Glenn loud. Glenn and Doogie. <laughs> Glenn and Doogie. So it was, just, it was the two of us that, that screwed it up. Oh, my God. But congratulations, because you asked the one question that, that I still don't think that, that we got a completely straight response to, and they squirmed, and it's a very good question, though. What is your involvement? Uh, it's a bonus plan. Everyone has a bonus plan. Well. Where's the we on do switch? Well. <laughs> Everybody well, let's be frank. Plan. Tim Connolly, in all likelihood, I don't know this 100%, so maybe mm. this is a little reckless speculation, but in all likelihood, Tim Connolly is not leaving Denver, especially after they made him a new offer. Maybe not right. quite $8 million a year, but they made him a new offer, right? He wasn't leaving there without 
this equity portion of the equation, right? So the equity got this to the finish line. So that's why I'm curious. Now, I mentioned on Twitter over the weekend, might have mentioned with you, Judd, that I had heard to check on, you know, tied to team performance and just value of the franchise, which I guess go hand in hand. Yeah. But there is a rule in the NBA. So if you're a limited partner, you need to own at least 1%. But he didn't buy in. So that 1% is out the window. So we don't know exactly what he's promised. But put it this way. If the Wolves do well, the franchise value goes up. He is yeah. going to benefit. Regardless, having a sliver of equity is a golden ticket. Whatever the exact details are. That is a golden ticket for Tim Connolly. We did this exercise last week. If you look at some of the other teams, not even not even the championship teams, but teams in sort of those mid-level markets, the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, the Milwaukee Bucks, who did win a championship. But, but similar, if, if, you can, if you can go to the playoffs on a regular basis, go second, third round of the playoffs, this franchise value has another half billion dollars to grow if you do things right. And so if I'm, if I'm Tim Connolly and I'm coming in here saying, all right, if we can get this thing to where the Nuggets are and the franchise value goes up from, you know, a billion and a half to 1.9 billion, I'd like a little, you know, little taste of that. Just a little, you know, a little something. Well, and think about at some point the push for a new arena, what exactly takes place on that front. This franchise is in better shape than the Nuggets. Like the Nuggets local TV contract, that situation, it's a disaster. A lot of people in Denver can't even watch the Nuggets on television. So, you know, just from a from a health standpoint, like he can look at this situation and say, yeah, like there are foundational pieces in place. We can grow this thing. This team can become even better in the next few years. What takes place with a new arena? Yeah, just, you know, you combine all that. And Phil, you're right. I mean, I would even argue in four to six years, above $1.9 billion. Like, maybe mm-hmm. closer to two, two, one, right? And, yeah, the value right now is, what, oh, one, five, seven, one, yeah. five, six. So if it goes up 400 to $500 million, yeah, if he is guaranteed, I don't know what the number would be, 10 to $15 million of that pie, $20 million of that pie, you know? I mean, how do you turn that down, I guess? If, if you're Tim Connolly... It was an offer he couldn't refuse. You don't, yeah. Uh, so th- the structure is Conley, his guy Finchie. Finchie. Is, Go- is Gupta, do we think he's staying, dudes? Because like now there seems to, to be this assumption of, well, he was at the press conference and Glenn was sort of consoling him, I think, at the end. Uh, so he's going to stay, which is very <laughs> us. crying? Was he crying at the end of the press conference? Glenn, Glenn patted him on the back. It was a hug. Times. They and were bonding. Yeah, he, it wasn't consoling <laughs> Reckless consoling speculation. I think he's consoling him. Look, it's Glenn. I think he's consoling him because I think Glenn said, here's my guess. Glenn said, you would have been my guy, but hey, you know, I'm sorry about that. Hey, we've made progress. We've made progress that Glenn knows who Suchin is. Don't forget that. Did Glenn call him son son or fella? What are the the We don't know. We don't know. I'm speculating. I'm recklessly speculating on reckless speculation Thursday about the conversation. But Dukes and I both saw the pat. But anyway, should we assume that Gupta is staying now, or is that still a, a work in progress, especially since we know that Conley is out there uh, sniffing around for a potential two that he knows? 
Yeah, well, I mean, Connolly is definitely going to bring people in. It's when, not if, plural, by the way, not just one person. Now, maybe more immediately, it's one. But down the road, it'll be multiple. So here's what I was told. I'm glad you asked me this. It's almost like we had a pre-show meeting because I'm glad you asked me this. If you hadn't, I would have brought it up because I scribbled down a few notes. So I was told Gupta is in right now. The Wolves, I've said this for weeks, the Wolves want Gupta here for the season. Heck, for multiple seasons if they can make it work, if there's not a one opportunity somewhere out there for him to be a president of, of some other team's front office, right? But, like, he's in right now. He's in for the pre-draft. He's in for the draft. He's in for free agency. So he's good for this cycle. What then happens mid-July, late July, into August, maybe when we get closer to training camp in late September? Houston would be the team to still watch. So this time last year, give or take a few weeks, he was pretty much out the door to go join the Houston Rockets as their number two. I'm told there is still sincere interest from the Rockets in bringing Sachin Gupta on board. But right now, he has told people over there, I'm in. Like, so, you know, he's at the draft workout they had on Tuesday. He's in all these meetings. So he's there right now, Judd. But I'll keep an eye on it. Like, I'm not ready just to declare 100% when the Wolves tip off in mid-October, Sachin Gupta will be at Target Center seated next to Tim Connolly, 10 rows up, right? A part of the front office. To be determined on that front, it's possible. But, like, he's here. So if you're worried about, you know, Sachin, you know, not having his fingerprints on some trade talks heading into the draft, draft night, the beginning of free agency when trade talks ramp up even more, like, Gupta's going to be here. And I think, you know, from what I can gather, Tim Connolly, you know, now he dodged the D'Lo question the other day. Called him a streak scorer. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yes. But otherwise, like, he comes across as – very likable. Like, I don't know if you gathered that, Judd, but, you know, him talking about, you know, drinking beers, watching the Wolves playoff games against Memphis. But, like, I don't care what he said up there. I lean on people who know him, who have known him for a really long time. You know, Ryan Saunders, the Saunders family, you know, has known Tim for a long time. Tim was at Ryan Saunders' wedding. Mm, right? So, you know, him, Ryan McDonough, Ryan McDonough, the former Suns GM, who's a friend of mine, when he was the Suns GM, Tim's brother, Pat, was his assistant general manager. So Ryan McDonough has known the Connolly family, Tim, Pat, others for a really long time. Like, these are people who know Tim really well. They tell me, and I don't think they lie to me. They tell me that Tim is this really, really good dude. So, you know, I know we're sick of the buzzword collaboration, but I think, you know, for right now, there's going to be a good amount of collaboration where Tim leans on specifically Suchin for all sorts of advice the next few weeks. The draft, by the way, three weeks from tonight. I do have one more uh, Wolves question. We'll get to some other stuff uh, here as well. But, uh, Dex, I was watching yesterday on on TNT for like Mm -hmm. three and a half hours, four great quarterbacks just putting poor fans at risk 20, 30 yards off the fairways with wayward drives the Mm -hmm. match yesterday. Uh, But it had me pumped up to go golfing. Do you have a recommendation for where people should go golfing this summer? Absolutely. It's the Meadows at Mystic Lake, an award-winning 18-hole public course. It offers unique, challenging, but a scenic golf experience and a full-service golf shop with top-of-the-line equipment and apparel. Also, you can get on the patio, the Meadows Bar and Grill right there. Why don't you go pour a surly after your round or before your round, for that matter? That's what I like to do. And enjoy the nice views at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Book your tee time now at GolfTheMeadows.com to learn more. It's GolfTheMeadows.com. To learn more. Solid Doogie, spot. 
Oh, thank the Vikings you. had a charity event there. Oh, you're, you're okay. four years ago, five years ago. Good <laughs> track. I thought you were complimenting my read. Oh, the read was good. That was a good read. That was a good read. I saw the words up on the screen. I've come a long way. I was like, oh, thank you. You read the words on the screen, but you pulled it off to the point of it didn't sound like you were reading. Yeah, right. So, TV genius. Thank you. Yeah, really good job there, Declan. But I'm just saying, really good track. I thought he did a good job sort of weaving in the ad lib within the words that they wanted him to read yeah, there. I agree. Yeah. The pacing it, was it felt was comfortable. It was a solid spot in both ways. It's a solid spot, and that was a solid spot. It was a solid spot, yeah. Nice good work. Job. Nice work. So how rare is it that uh, the owner, of, and in, in, in this case, the longtime owner of a franchise, mostly defers to minority owners in this case to be not only the guys who spearheaded the search. You know, They, they brought Tim Connolly out to Mark Lurie's New York City penthouse and got to know him and then presumably brought him to Glenn in Mankato and said, hey, here's this guy wasn't on your list, but, you know, we just wined and dined him. You know, Glenn has deferred almost. I know A-Rod said, listen, Glenn led the way and we followed. I don't know how much I buy that. I don't know why A-Rod had to lie in that situation other than he's just kind of a serial liar at times. But how rare is this? These guys don't even really own the team yet. And yet Glenn is giving them the keys. and I And I love it to make the most important hire for the franchise. It is a unique situation, right? Like, I'm trying to remember, when does somebody buy in but then wait a good nearly two years to become majority owner? Maybe it's not completely unprecedented, but, like, trying to jar my memory, nothing nothing comes to mind. But, yeah, I mean, Mark and Alex led the way on this. They drove the bus on this, just like they drove the bus on the Chris Finch extension. But Glenn, to his credit, said, you do your thing. I trust you. Now, is that some of Glenn just looking at mistake after mistake over the years? Good. Saying, hey, what I've tried hasn't worked. We've tried some different things. So I feel like I learned each and every time. But what I've tried hasn't worked. So let me defer to these guys. Or, hey, these guys are taking over as majority owners. You know, until the time frame is different. We presume it's December of 23, you know, until we're told otherwise, December of 23. So what about 16, 17 months from now, Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez will become the majority owners. A decision like this, you were always going to give a multi-year deal. Heck, I was told at one point there was talk of an eight-year contract for Tim Connolly. Ends up being five, but the five clearly goes into multiple years of Mark and Alex being majority owner. So I don't know exactly where Glenn's, you know, mind was with that. I'll catch up with him at some point. I'll track him down maybe closer to the draft and I can relive some of some of this. But yeah, Mark and Alex were were all over this. But Glenn gave them his blessing very early. So there was correspondence with Glenn where they said, Hey, we'd like to do this. And Glenn said, Yeah, you do whatever you want. All right, Dukes. Um gosh, I remember you know, I was at the University of Minnesota as a student from 2003 through 2007, right in the heart of the Marion Barber, Lawrence Maroney, two-headed monster backfield. Uh, Barber goes on to have a really good touchdown-filled career with the Cowboys, and uh, reports came out yesterday he passed away in his home uh, in the Dallas area, I believe, at age 38, just a legendary gopher football player gone way too early here, Dukes. Life isn't fair. I mean, he's battled demons for a while. 
we, when I say we, we at Channel 5 caught up with his coach at the U, Glenn Mason. Glenn was on his boat on Lake Minnetonka, thankfully was able to dock, got off the boat, did a quick interview with us yesterday. Glenn talked about how he, maybe more so others that know Marion, but had tried to offer help to him in recent years, and it just it didn't go anywhere. We don't know the cause of death quite yet, but yeah, it's just, it's as sad as it gets. You can't help but wonder about, you know, something going on with the brain, right? Junior Seau like, you know, did something take place with all the, the violent collisions he had? Just one heck of a player, though. Even going back to Wyzetta High School, he was a good defensive back. You know, Glenn told us, you know, initially he was brought upon thinking he'd play in the defensive backfield. And Marion said, no, I want to play running back. And Glenn's thinking, I've got all these other running backs, Thomas Tepay, some others. Like, no, but sure, give it a try. And, you know, when it fails, we'll move you back to the defensive backfield. Well, it didn't fail. Right? And you're right, Phil. I mean, one of the all-time great gophers. I mean, just look at the numbers. Right? Then to have the career he had, it was short-lived. What, only seven years in the National Football League? But, you know, those six years with the Dallas Cowboys, just unreal. You know, but just, you feel just freaking horrible for, for the, the family. family too yeah yeah his dad i mean his dad yeah, his was a mom caring yeah here. dad marion yeah. and you know thomas and dom the, the brothers just oh by the way how, okay how hard is it so we saw the the adam schefter fiasco on twitter when dwayne haskins died or he just he made some passing reference to him being you know like a like an underperforming player in the nfl as he's tweeting out his death this is from ABC's Twitter account. I believe this is also, they're getting this from the Associated Press. This is the tweet they sent out. Just in, Marion Barber III, the former Dallas Cowboys running back who scored plenty of touchdowns without recording a 1,000-yard season, oh has died, the team said Wednesday. He was 38. Okay, um, how hard is it to just not refer to meaningless statistics? Yeah. A, a, a human being died. Former... National Football League player. Died. Former exactly. player, Cowboys. Yeah. Like, why do we is... need to make some meaningless statistical contextual reference in a tweet? Yeah. What are you Disgusting. doing? Disgusting. Now, full context. So that tweet wasn't actually like typed out by a person. It's aggregated from the story. So through WordPress, the way these stories are posted on these websites, somehow it grabbed words. So... It wasn't why one person without, who typed that, but there has to be some sort like of editing article. system. It should filter right. through somebody, a social media manager, somebody who then has yes. to approve each social media post. That's the unfortunate part, but I'm just telling you full context. It wasn't some person, some well, intern or whomever there in New York City at ABC headquarters who actually typed that out. But someone, but someone in the article clearly wrote that he had not. Yeah, I don't even know why you would write that. Season. Agree. Yeah. I have no idea who why cares? you would write that. Who cares? Correct. But especially with death, like with death, like it needs to go through a person. It can't be be like, well, he just got traded. Like, that's fine. A- aggregate that. Right. Like, you don't care about that. Uh, but if a person dies, it should always go through a set of eyes that says, you know, we really don't need that context for this event. So but this I is mean, tragic. it just, it so just feels like, you know, OK, Marion Barber died quick. Someone tell me if his statistics yeah. rise to the level of me being sad, like. Who well, cares what his statistics and, Schef- and Schefter definitely tweeted his, and that was unbelievably insensitive. Yeah. Well, I mean, even many weeks later, he's still taking all sorts of mm-hmm. all sorts oh. of heat for, for that. I was on Facebook last night. I'm Facebook friends with Assad Abdul-Khalik, just because we were oh. at the U at the same time. Daryl Reed, 
former defensive lineman, just the the outpouring of just you know, it's just yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's too bad, man. Well, Doogie, thanks for joining us here on this Reckless Speculation Thursday. Uh, great information as usual. Do you want me to and empty uh, we'll out my notebook quickly? Oh, you got a, you got another page there. Yeah, well, yeah. So away. you know, the Twins play this this afternoon that series finale in Detroit. Nice to see that Buxton, Arise, Kepler are back in the lineup. Why Buxton wasn't in the lineup last night? Why did he play both games of the doubleheader two days ago? Then they face a tough lefty last night. Buxton not in the lineup. Very head scratching. But as they head to Toronto. I know they'll be down at least one reliever, possibly two, but I know for sure one, an outfielder, a starter. So those are guys that are not vaccinated, can't get on that plane to fly from Detroit to Toronto. Isaiah Enan, Gophers basketball, he is officially cleared, left knee injury, missed all of last year. Summer workouts ramp up next week for Ben Johnson's team. Peyton Willis, the former Gopher, has a workout today with the Memphis Grizzlies. Booth Gotch, the former Gopher from Austin, Minnesota, has a workout today. But the Charlotte Hornets, David Roddy, Breck High School, Mountain West Player of the Year from Colorado State, made it official last night. He is staying in the draft. His next workout with the Golden State Warriors. He's worked out for the Raptors, the Pacers, the Nuggets, and the Rockets. And there is a plan for him to work out for the Wolves sometime in the next three weeks. His draft stock will never be higher. Like, you're the Mountain West Player of the Year. Like, now is the time. I just, you know, he maybe could have made some money, name, image, likeness, going back to Fort Collins. But, like, this is the time to to strike gold, you know, in terms of his NBA future. So I think David Roddy made a very smart decision. There he is. Darren Doogie Wolfson. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports One teams. more, we'll St. Thomas Men's season. Basketball. We are the home of St. Thomas Athletics. St. Yeah. Thomas Men's Basketball. Love Johnny Tower. Johnny Tower loses an assistant coach, Gamali Ahalegbe leave St. Thomas to be an assistant coach at Northern Iowa. All right. See you, Dukes. See you, boys. Bye-bye. All right. Darren Doogie Wolfson on this Reckless Speculation Thursday. And, boys, Reckless Speculation Thursday continues here because I've got some – I floated something out on Twitter yesterday, twins-related, which we will get to in a second. But I think we should should sort of build up to why I asked this question – on Twitter by going through this recent Twins stretch where they haven't scored a run in 20 innings. They've been shut out seven times so far this season, actually. It was uh, not good. They've lost three of four now to the atrocious Detroit Tigers in this series. They got a bunch of guys on the COVID or uh, the COVID list or guys who are unvaccinated and won't be able to travel to Toronto for their next series. And they're running out spring training lineups basically every other day. So, um, I think I'm sitting here looking at 162 games and just, you know, whatever. You know, bad stretches happen. They won a bunch of games early, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Judd, on the other hand, I saw you tweeting more panic-laden things yesterday yeah, to Twins fans, sounding an alarm. Yeah. So uh, what is your current panic meter with the Minnesota Twins? Um, it's probably at a five or six, but it's growing. It's going up, code red, because here's why. We're on DEFCON 3. There seems to be some, yeah, but there seems to be a, a disconnect here about what should cause panic. Because I, I got notes, I t- tweeted that, you know, Dex and Phil were chiding me a couple of days ago and I expressed concern, but it feels like things are going very wrong now. And I got back, well, they don't have guys, you know, I mean, Correa's coming back, and that, that's absolutely true. Hmm. 
but you, but you have to contextualize what can go wrong through what is going wrong. So it can't just be, well, everyone's going to come back and it's going to to be fine. That's not really how sports always works. And here's why I have a here's why I have a bad feeling that we are entering a perfect storm of crap. Um, the reality is this: first of all, to Phil's point from two days ago. You don't have to give away the wins that you get against the crap teams that, that ha- happen to be, God bless them, your division opponents. But you also want to stockpile them as much as possible. And those wins now are being lost because guys are out. Because th- this team, and I don't think it's just Rocco, can we please stop? This team organizationally comes up with some ideas about when guys shouldn't play that I really don't get. And I think a lot of people don't get that. And I think that that starts way above Rocco, who then executes the lineup and takes the hits for it um they're going to go to toronto now to start the first of what at least nine games against good teams american league east good teams and they're going to do it with a roster that is going to be hamstrung by the fact that some key players and some key guys as we just talked about with darren are going to have to come home because they can't go into canada now i do not want this to become a debate about being vaxxed all right I'm past that. We're past that. We've had those debates. I want this to be a conversation about the locker room chemistry that currently exists and about the fact that most athletes are brought up, led to believe that you put team before all. And now you're going to go into three tough games with some guys being like, no, I'm sorry, my personal agenda and my politics outweigh the importance of wins. That's what they're saying. That's what some Vikings said. And and again, I don't want to debate that. That could be, they could be entirely right. I'll give them that. But nonetheless, that's the message that you are sending into a locker room that so far has been very, very cohesive. Does that hurt that? That's my question. Then you're going to get back, and and this was where I really wanted to see them go into the stretch playing well, because you're going to play Toronto, the Yankees, and the Rays. And to me, those three series are going to be, or were supposed to be, true tests of your team. Like, that's where we would find out more. Um, but now you're going to start off those three shorthanded. You are going to then play the Yankees and Rays, who are both good. And so far, the Yankees have been very good. You're going to play them, uh, and you're going to get tested, but you're going to do so probably after getting swept and not playing well. My point is it feels like things are starting to spiral. And here's my last thing that I think is important when it comes to Rocco. I don't blame him entirely for the lineups, all right? Like, I think this whole thing of, well, he's just doing this, is really, really narrow-sighted. I think that this comes from an organizational uh, philosophy of how to do things. But I don't trust Rocco to be able to have the ability to stop a potentially sinking ship. He's never done it before. He's never shown that. When things are going well, the man is great. When they're not going well... Uh, things tend to spiral, and we've seen that before with him. So all of those things are why I have some major question marks about this stretch and why my panic is rising. Not going okay. okay, you said it was a five, Declan. How would you classify Judd's level of panic there after listening no, I said to, six. to that? I said six well, you said five and a half and rising. And a half and now, it's, now it's six. It sounds like more like an minutes. eight and a half and rising mm-hmm. to me. Oh, it's going up. What does a, what does a nine? Be. Okay, what can you do that again, but with a nine? Like, what does a nine sound like? If that was a five, that was a oh, six. Oh, a nine would be a nine would be if they had played well in like into May and then started to spiral, which they haven't done yet. They're spiraling right now. 
Okay, so spiraling is an interesting word. There's 162 baseball games. Even Remember that year where the Dodgers went to the World Series? They won like 110 games or something, and they wound up losing, was it 18 of 20 in September? Yep. Like, they were terrible. Baseball's so weird. Things like that can happen to great teams. I don't sure. think anyone, even with this hot start, would classify this Twins team as great yet. And so I'm going to respond to your uh, level of panic with with two questions, and I'm going to walk you through these, okay? The first question I have is, can they win a weak division? All right, let's start there. Because that, that to me, that's been the goal. Step one is, can you win a weak division? Where you got the Royals, you know, the Tigers have one good starting pitcher, and uh, and Cleveland is feisty, but... By the way, the White Sox are floundering, as the Twins have been spiraling. Oh, got injury problems, yeah. as you yeah. call. Yeah, they're oh, the division. They, they just lost right. Tim Anderson. The yep. Twins are still eight games above five hundred and have yep. a five-game division lead, while "quote unquote" I'll use your word spiraling. Mm-hmm. So they've stockpiled wins early in the season. They don't have to give those wins back. They have a cushion. I would be much more concerned if they're going into this stretch at five hundred and now, oh my God, can they can they stay within five games of five hundred? They have twenty-seven games left in June. And, and before I say this, I don't disagree with everything you just said. I, I also have some questions about the clubhouse at this point. Last year, we know that a divide between vaccinated players and unvaccinated players was a real thing behind the scenes. It was part of the reason why guy like Andrelton Simmons felt very strongly one way. Other players and maybe the manager felt this way, right? Like it's the type of political and personal thing that if you allow it, can definitely tear at the fabric of a team. We've seen it happen with the Vikings in some spots as well last year with the coach and the quarterback. So sure. I'm not going to just dismiss that. I, I think your angst is somewhat warranted there. I'm glad this is happening for only three games early in the season, and then they go back home and hopefully they flush it. But there's 27 games left in June. The Twins could go 10-17 and 17 the rest of this month and still be above 500. And the White Sox would have to play better than they've been playing to pass the Twins by the end of the month, even if the Twins continue to, quote-unquote, spiral. By the way, the White Sox play Tampa and the Dodgers over the next week. So it's to me, it's not—I'm I'm sort of giving—because they stockpiled so many wins early in the year, I'm giving them leeway as they work through injuries and COVID and a tough stretch in the schedule. They might give some games back. But then they start to play bad teams again. They play— the Diamondbacks, and they play the Orioles again, and they play a couple other crappy you know, uh, American League Central teams. So can they still win a weak division despite going through some tumultuous stretches here in late May, early June? Yes, I think so. So before I get to question number two, any arguments there? Oh, absolutely not. But they've lost 18 consecutive playoff games, and my question is can you win a playoff series? I don't care if you can win – my you, me, Declan, Stella, Maya could put together a team Vinny. and win this piece of crap. And yeah, I'm Don't sorry. Don't leave out my. Vinny, I'm very, very sorry. Yeah. And could win this piece lost of crap. More, lost another tooth yesterday. His baby teeth are falling out. He's bleeding oh, out of his Vinny. mouth. Oh, yeah. I hope he's okay. I hope yeah. Does Vinny get a visit from the, the dog tooth fairy? He does. I hope so. He does, yeah. A little, yeah. Under, treat. A little yeah. treat under yeah. grandma, his Grandma gives, gives, gives him a little extra treat when he loses a tooth. Oh, yeah. that gra- that's a good grandma. A good but grandma. anyway, so so my question is, is, is anything that we're seeing real outside of the American League Central? And, and that's my next question, which okay. is, okay, so there's go win a weak division is sure. category number one because that'll get you to the playoffs. And I think they can go through a rough stretch here in the next two weeks. They can lose some games. They could lose – 
five of six or whatever and like still come out, come back home. Well, they're coming back home after the Toronto series, but I'm saying they, they, they could literally go 10 and 17 and still be above 500 uh, at the halfway point in the season. Question number two is, independent of what happens the next two or three weeks, can and will they add a couple key pieces to this team to get them a boost in the second half of the season? And that's where the Frankie Montas conversation, I think, rekindles. Now, you might say offense is the problem. They've been shut out seven times, and they haven't scored a run in 20 innings. And, yes, those things are true. Offense is down across the league, and so teams are scoring fewer runs now than they have basically since the dead ball era of the 60s. I think Carlos Correa has barely scratched the surface. Byron Buxton's been going through a slump. Uh, Royce Lewis will be back. I actually worry less about the offense at full strength than I do about the starting rotation and the bullpen. The bullpen has one lefty, and it's Caleb Thielbar, and he's been terrible this season. The starting rotation has guys on fumes. Chris Archer, he's going to pitch again today, but I love Chris Archer five years ago. If you could make a trade for a number one starting pitcher in Frankie Montas and have a top three rotation of Montas, Sonny Gray when he comes back, and Joe Ryan, that's a badass playoff rotation and a rotation that can help win you some three to two ball games late in the season if offense hasn't come around. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at some of these reports from before the season when uh, the Montas talks were heating up, but no one actually pulled the trigger. And USA Today reported that the A's were asking for at least one organizational top prospect, like a top. So they apparently they asked the White Sox for Andrew Vaughn, oh, wow. who's 24 years old. He's a former number three overall pick. Yeah, uh, He actually played a full season last year, kind of struggled a bit. I think they were trying to buy low on him. And he's been one of their better hitters this season, so he's, his value's only gone up. So the A's want at least a top young player who is close to or MLB ready, and then maybe another piece or two. I'm willing to give that up. Like, I don't know what the equivalent is for the Twins. Maybe it's Jose Miranda, because people are down on him now, but the A's might say, oh, let's buy low on Jose Miranda, or an Austin Martin, or a Matt Cantorino. Would you trade two top 10 prospects for a Frankie Montas, I think is the question that they should be asking themselves, unless there's a big, you know, some sort of bat that they can trade for to be a DH or a first baseman. Um, but, like, that's... Can they win the division? And then are they willing to make a trade to get them further along in the second half of the season in the playoffs? And I think those are two very realistic things that could happen. It feels like gotcha. your first question. I mean, this is why I brought up on statements on Tuesday. It's, it's a math game right now for the Twins. The Twins have the math advantage and, and mm-hmm. they have yeah. built up these wins. They have a lead to your point. If they're still have a five game lead over the White Sox and Cleveland, things are going good there. Um, they'd have to really tank, and the other two teams who have not played well would have to play out of their skis over that same stretch. So the math game's on the Twins' side, no matter kind of how badly they even play in these next 10 games. Uh, your second question, I would do that trade in a heartbeat. I'd do it tomorrow if it was Austin. Yeah, if it was Austin Simmons, if it was, um, if it was Jose Miranda, if it was another top 10 prospect, yes, I would have to do that. Pitching is going to only make you better. Like, we saw a Bomba Squad team that had no pitching. And no, they were forced to throw Randy Dobnik in game two of the, of the ALDS. Pitching makes everything better. Everything. So if Sonny Gray is indeed coming back fine from his, from his bicep injury, that's great. If you have a formal rotation of Montas, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, I'll stack that up against most other teams' top three in a playoff rotation. I don't know if they'd have the advantage in game one against a Garrett Cole necessarily or a Justin Verlander in Houston. But do they have a good one, two, three punch as good as any team in the AL if those three were your playoff rotation? Absolutely. So I would do that trade in a heartbeat. 
I guess my question is this. What do we expect or, or want? Because this division's so bad, like, you should win it. You should, definitely. And, but I'm not impressed. I want way more than, than that. Uh, the Matas trade would give you a chance. But here's my biggest problem. I feel like this entire thing is built now, the more I watch it, on House of Cards. Because I don't trust the people running it. I don't trust them when they don't play Buxton last night. And I guess my question is this. Is Buxton hanging by a thread here? Like, are they like, every day, should we IL them? Should we play? Like, there's something weird here. Because you you faced uh, a depleted Tigers pitching staff to put their best starter out there last night, and you literally put out a forfeit lineup. Like, you basically said, screw it. Um I feel like the whole thing is is a house of cards, and I feel like there is an infrastructure problem, and I feel like the ground floors, which are supposed to hold up the entire building, are crumbling, and it feels like it's all going to come down. I don't trust anybody running this thing right now. I think that they aren't as smart as they think. I think that they've become arrogant in some ways, and look, the the Winning this division is no reflection of being good. That's my problem. I mean, Dex is right. But, but, but you're already – It's a math like, game. Judd, you're, how many good teams have they played? They've played Houston three times. Right, but that's my they, point. They, they, they beat Tampa two out of three earlier in the season. Yep. I mean, they haven't played – they split against Boston, who's been pretty hot, and they got beat twice by the right. by the Dodgers. They've, they've, they've played like six games against good teams so far. You're punishing them – for something that they can't even con- so they're 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 winning a bad division by five games and you're like dumping on them for that. I'm punishing them because I want so much more and I don't feel like. But they haven't had a of- chance to give you more yet, right? But they're not good. But but the thing is, right now I can tell you right now unequivocally they will fail when they do unless they change the mindset. So if they take two of three from the Yankees at home next week, does that mean I'll, you're you're wrong? I'll be far more impressed. I'll be far more impressed. But but, but here I- here's my problem with your stance. Okay, I don't even disagree with everything you're saying. I just think you're taking a two week snapshot of a 162 game season and you're, and you're, and you're, and it's not even, I mean, it, it, the calendar turned to June two days ago, yesterday. And you're just like making a blanket statement about, oh, the twins are, the front office is incompetent, which I kind of agree with. It's not but, two weeks. But you're, it you're goes, basing it off of a two week stretch. No, no, no. It goes back you to You wouldn't the have Yankees said this on May 24th. It goes back, but I'm seeing the same cracks in the foundation. That's my point. We're talking about a foundational problem of how the program is built. And I've seen this since the Yankees playoff series when these people started, to Dex's point again, Randy Dobnik. I'm seeing the same mistakes repeated over and over and over again because you know what, really? and Because I don't think that they're dumb. So let me make that very clear. They're arrogant, but not dumb. Well, but you just you know, said you don't think they're as smart as they think they are, they're but they're not, not dumb. They're, they're in not. between somewhere. Because here's what they lack. Smart people, really smart people, often lack common sense. And they lack common sense. They need a common sense coach. They need somebody to say, what are you doing today? Why is Buxton not playing? I mean, Doogie's point's spot on. You play Buxton in back-to-back games of a doubleheader. And then they rested him the day after playing two games. Against, like, I, against, I understand that. Against, no, you rest him in the second game of that double dip, and then you bring him back and start him against the Tigers' best starter. No, but what they're saying is this is so because this is so hard because you're going too far with this take right now. You're going way I, too far with this take right now. I they're feel in like first I'm place. Right on they're, point. Eight, they're eight games over 500. The reason why they re- first of all they told everyone like three weeks ago, be- in part because of your questions, and I think we should all appreciate that. They told everyone the truth about Buxton. He's got a essentially right. a chronic knee injury, 
right. they're going to have to build in rest days every three or four days for him. Right. It, it's not as easy as saying, oh, there's two games on Tuesday and one game on Wednesday, and so let's rest him for one of the games on Tuesday. No, they've already fired him up for Tuesday. He's already done the whole warm-up thing, and he's played a game, so just it, it's easier for him to DH See? and play two games on Tuesday then yeah. fired up again on Wednesday. These they they told you what they were going to do weeks ago, and right. now you're saying, "Well, this what, what, what are they the doing?" They already got caught lying though about that very thing. Because remember, about a month ago, when they said when Byron Buxton is out, he is out. We will not pinch hit him. We we will not ask him to walk across the parking lot. We'll give him a golf cart. <laughs> then they come back and say, "Well, now we can pinch hit because you don't <laughs> understand in this game." I'm telling you, don't buy into the fact that they think that they are smarter. And I'm not trying to say, I just want to make it very clear, they're not dumb. They lack common sense at times. They lack the common sense. Nobody says, okay, we need to have a plan here. They're trying to sell us on plans that they don't necessarily believe themselves. I think the ultimate That's goal my problem. of this season, and to a lot of people of this fan base, is just win a GD playoff game. Such win a, a, a win. Such a low bar. It, it is. It is. But, right. but seriously, but I want to get them there. They, I they've, help. they've had a hundred win seasons. They they absolutely crapped down their pants in 2019 and 2020 in the playoffs. And I I know what Judd's talking about. And, and even us three have talked about. Sometimes the coverage of this team they act like they're the bleeping Yankees when you're the Minnesota Twins and you have lost 18 consecutive playoff games. But right now they're eight games above 500. They're leading a crappy central division. They are in prime position to win this yep. division and probably host a playoff game in the new playoff format, which is great. That that should be in line to win a playoff game. And if anything else happens after that for me and my fandom, gravy. That's all I am setting it at right now. <laughs> and, and I will and I will True. say the, the it's such an incredibly low bar, but but here we are, right? They have their 0 and 18 in their last 18 playoff games. And so I understand. I'm not fighting everything you're saying, Judd. What I'm saying is, I agree that there's a lot of missteps by this front office. I think I, I sometimes do think they're making it up day by day as opposed to having more of a grand plan. And the fact that three weeks ago they told us, Byron Buxton, you don't understand. He, it's not as easy as him just grabbing a bat in the ninth inning and pinch hitting. It takes him seven hours to get ready and all this therapy. And then, right. and they kind of shamed everyone for even suggesting, right? And then two weeks, three weeks later, he's out, he's pinch hitting in the eighth and ninth inning. Well, what happened? So, so all, all of those things I agree with, but at the same time, they have a five-game lead and are eight games above 500 going into this, the third month of the season. They might give some more games back against Toronto and the Yankees, but they've put themselves in a position to win the wow. division and add a couple pieces to win a playoff game like Declan said. So I'm not going to sit here and bury these, these guys and you know just have the panic alarm on repeat I feel like, like you seem to be doing. Because you know what I feel I'm going like? to let this play out for another month well, for sure before I start freaking out. My problem is this. Until they, until they prove differently, I feel like the parent that is watching my kids make the same mistake over and over and over. And I want to say, Johnny, Derek, Rocco, Fatty, let's use common sense here. And I feel it's the one thing that they lack. I feel it's the one thing that they lack, and I feel like we're going down the exact same path. And to, to Dex's point, I like to say he's exactly right. And that is it's such a pathetic statement. Um, but I think I think my frustration and Dex is for sure way more than me is born of the fact that they're, you know, I mean, they could win the division by a lot of games at this rate. And they could still make the same mistakes in the playoffs again. So I guess until we start to see 
some changes in philosophy. Like, hey, you know what? We were wrong on that. Hey, we were wrong. Um, it's going to be very hard for me to latch on to this whole. Well, thing. you know me. If if and when the time comes, I will take the gloves off and hammer them right along with you. I think. Well, I know. I know. Yeah. I think I'm, and it's kind of you know the. I feel the same way about Cousins with the occasional you know slip up here during the off season where I just get annoyed by his press conferences. But I'm willing to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Let this thing play. They've they've built some good graces and a good cushion early in the season, despite some of the the weird communication and some of these minor league and spring training lineups. I'm just I just let's see what happens in Toronto. If, the, if they baseball. don't make if they don't make a trade for a Montaz type starter, oh then then they're going to get savaged. Okay. Oh my God! That's fair. Like, you don't That's sign fair. Carlos Correa and yeah. then not add to it when you're in a position, especially if you're still winning the division. Very fair. I will destroy them if they don't make a a trade at some point, if they're still leading the division. Like if they go out and get uh, Dyson again, Romo again. They need to do one of two things. And and remind me, is the deadline August 31st or or July 30th? I think it's right after. Did they move it? I think it's early August now. I think they moved it to early August, right? It's late now. Like August 2nd or something. Let's Mm -hmm. see here. It is uh, August 2nd trade yeah, got, deadline. It just got moved back a little bit. So we got two months until the trade deadline. Okay. And they need to do one of two things. If they're leading the division and they're in playoff position, yep. they need to trade top prospects for an established player, like a Frankie Montaz. Mm-hmm. If they aren't, they need to trade Carlos Correa if he's healthy because he, he's essentially on a one-year contract. If they don't make a huge splash move in either direction, if they ride the middle, I will savage them in two months. And it'll be ten times what you just did to them with your six out of ten panic meter here on June 2nd. I just feel like I'm seeing some familiar um, things rear their ugly head again, and I don't like that. Speaking of familiar things rearing their ugly heads, you can always count on us to tweet ridiculous things and then be called out every Thursday. By Declan, old tweets exposed, presented by our friends at Aquaside today. Declan? Yeah, Aquaside products are easy to use, and they begin working right away. They've been helping people maintain nice lake shores for over 60 years. They have a complete line of lake and pond control products that will take care of anything from weeds to algae. They're a local company. They're in White Bear Lake, and their products are registered with the EPA and DNR. Check them out. It's Aquaside.com. Learn more at Aquaside.com. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. So coming up in uh, late July is the annual Federated Challenge, which has helped raise $44 million for Big Brothers Big Sisters since 2005. This program exists to provide children facing adversity with strong and enduring, professionally supported, one-to-one mentoring relationships that can change their lives for the better, forever. If you want to find out more about Big Brothers Big Sisters and how you could potentially become a big and a mentor yourself, it could be very fulfilling, federatedchallenge.org. Federatedchallenge.org. All right, hit us with it. All right. All right. Little old tweets exposed. Twins edition. Uh, th- this one for me isn't necessarily like just a bad take. I have no idea why I tweeted this, though. Like, I don't understand the context of why I tweeted this. So let's go back in time to uh, 2013, August 3rd of 2013. Jim Hoy. I don't know why I'm tweeting Jim Hoy facts. Jim Hoy. But he has an ERA of 1.8 and 20 Ks in 25 innings with the Somerset Patriots in independent <laughs> ball. I just don't understand the context of why I'm tweeting about I, Jim Hoy. I bet you were questioning why the Twins dumped him. I was working with the Saints at this time, but the but the okay. Somerset 
they weren't part of the American Association. Well, Jim Hoey had probably been booted uh, from Major League Baseball two years after the Twins traded for him. Sure. Yeah, I bet that's what I bet you were drawing the oh, hey, the Twins screwed up yeah. again by this the Somerset team. So Hoey, yeah, he pitched 24 innings with the Twins in 2011. And then in 2012, he wound up in Toronto. He's an extension of the Johan Santana trade. Yeah. Let me tell you how. This is how the Johan, this is how Johan Santana as an asset devolved over the Bill Smith four or five years as GM. So they wind up, they, they could have had any number of great young players, Jacoby Ellsbury, John Lester from Boston, all these offers that were being made, you know, that offseason. And then the Yankees, you know, a young Phil Hughes was on the table. I think Melky Cabrera was on the table. All these recognizable names. And the Twins wind up with Carlos Gomez and essentially three nobody. Although Phil Umber threw, a, a, I think, a perfect game or a no-hitter one time. Yep. White Sox, yeah. yeah. And then his arm exploded after that. But uh, So they traded. They basically traded Johan Santana for Carlos Gomez. And then they kind of butchered Carlos Gomez. And they traded him for J.J. Hardy, which, okay, J.J. Hardy was a really good shortstop for the Brewers. Yep. A little bit of an injury plague season with the Twins. He goes to Baltimore then for Jim Hoey. So they wind up trading Johan Santana for Carlos Gomez, Carlos Gomez for J.J. Hardy. And then Hardy goes to Baltimore. Their trainers do a little Mr. Miyagi on his wrist, and he hits 30 bombs for Baltimore. And then uh, they get Jim Hoy, who did not hit 24 ineffective innings for a 90-loss team. So uh, Johan Santana for Jim Hoy was basically pretty much the trade. Woof. Yes, and then he was selected by waivers. Twins news selected uh, selected off waivers by the Blue Jays from the Twins. So they they gave up Hoey for nothing. So they basically gave up Johan Santana for almost nothing. If you want to play it out that way, okay. Anyways, all right. Well, hey, speaking of shortstop play for the Twins, go to Phil on March nineteenth, two thousand eleven. Nishioka has made two fantastic defensive plays a day just like throughout Sam Fold from deep in the hole <laughs> up the middle and looks very solid on oh, D. God. So this is middle of spring training, March 19th, 2011, covering his first spring training. Yeah. Just, oh, boy. The red flag there was, well, there were several. Notably, he would, he would smoke in the clubhouse, which is kind of weird. But uh, he would he would train on the side fields, the backfields out at the Hammond Stadium complex with his little entourage, his personal trainer. He had some sort of like nutritionist, and then there were, I think I think his translator was out there too. And he would just be running, and he had his own like Nishioka sort of issued garb that he would wear. He wasn't wearing twin stuff. This is oh, right yeah. before the official pitchers, catchers, and position players report. Yep. And his teammates were like, hey, you, you, we're all kind of unofficially working out over here if you want to join us. And he just he didn't want to. He had his own routine that he I'm was going to go through to get him get himself ready for the season. Really worked well. well. All right. A funny one here from Judd uh, trying to personify trade deadline acquisitions. Zolgad's conspiracy theory of the day. The Twins are doing a good job of showing Yankees that Plouffe also looks comfortable oh. at first base. <laughs> Uh, Trevor Plouffe was cut and not offered a contract in arbitration after the 2016 season. But Judd trying to uh, get the Trevor Plouffe to the New York Yankees. I was uh, trying to help him out. I was trying to give him Mm -hmm. Bronx Bombers. Pretty good. good. I uh, I was in TweetDeck at the time. I still use TweetDeck. I love TweetDeck. Love TweetDeck. That that was my previous computer. I had TweetDeck on it. It's good. Well, you can still use TweetDeck. It's a website. Great website. I'm fine with Twitter now. I just 
dumbed down my expectations. I, know, I, f- I feel like putting good at defense in the same sentence as Nishioka. Yeah, you win. Probably worth the win here. Well, yeah. you, get, you get sucked in. Yeah. Training camp, spring training, nothing sucks you in like games that don't count. Always an optimist. Yeah, I once, uh, I, I remember doing a story one time on how David Ortiz, I think, drew a walk off Nick Blackburn or something. And oh, commented to Morno at first base, Blackie looks different this year. Blackie's stuff is yeah. moving quite a bit. And Blackie was working on standing in a different spot on the rubber and oh all coming together for Blackie. Missing more bats. Watch out for Blackie was the article that hey, I you wrote. Were, you know what? You were trying to pass along positive missives to the people back in the chill of the Minnesota cold. Yeah, people just wanted Twins optimism, and I gave them for that one day Twins optimism. So, all right, that's your reckless speculation Thursday. Your old tweets exposed here. A little, little twin, old, old school twins argument between Mackie and Judd. Uh, tomorrow, action movie rewind. Oh, my God. And feedback Friday. God, Top Gun Maverick. Spoilers all over the place. So, yeah, exactly. If you don't want it to be spoiled, then just you know put that episode on ice and listen to it afterwards. But we'll ice pump man. for that. See what you did there. You like that? Yeah. And then uh, Judd's OTA observations on Purple Daily today. So we are packed. We'll see you guys tomorrow.